Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday Thanks. I'm excited to be joined today by Nicole Miller, CEO of Reculture Consulting and Recruitment. Reculture is a leading luxury hospitality firm with industry experts with experience ranging from luxury hotels, Forbes five-star accolades and audits to expert recruitment practices and behavioral interviewing. Nicole, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Ah, Thanks for having me on, Brian. It's good to catch up. Well, it's always great to see you, and I've been following you since our days together at Starwood, and it's great to see how well you're doing with the the new venture. So I'm going to dive into this like I always do. Let's just start. we got a lot to go through. I want to know how a young lady attending Georgia College and State University for a business admin, how did you pick that? Why did you pick that? Was, you know, how did that come about? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I kind of grew up outside of the Atlanta area and kind of closer to when I graduated college, my parents relocated to middle Georgia. And when they relocated, you know, it was interesting. I I knew that I wanted to kind of stay close to home a little bit if I could. And, you know, my mom was in the midst of kind of suffering from an illness as well. And so I kind of chose something close to where they were. And it was in a little town called Milledgeville, Georgia. And It was a great little liberal arts college. And I I don't think ultimately I knew I was going to be in hospitality. I think I knew I was going to do something in business. When I was little, I can kind of remember, I always had this like curious wonder for, you know, when I grow up, I want to be some like big company CEO, you know, like I remember having those thoughts and I wanted to travel far away and, you know, go see the world. And so I knew that if I did something in business that would get me there, you know, so that's kind of where the whole business thing came. And I don't think I really knew I was going to go into hospitality until, you know, I got into college and, you know, I had to work, I had to work different jobs to kind of put myself through school. And I want to say it was either my junior or senior year, they were getting ready to open near my school. It was Ritz Carlton. It was at Lake Oconee. And a friend of mine turned me on to hospitality. He said, you know, I I went up to this big fancy hotel and I I got a job up there. I'm going to be working in the spa as a receptionist and they have these benefits and they have great pay. And you know, I was waiting tables at the time and bartending at a bar, you know, in a local college joint. And I said, hey, that sounds great. I want to go check it out. And the rest is just history, I think. Wow. What? A, yeah. Well, you know, you just answered my my first question, which was going to be, what was your first gig out of school? But you did you actually start at the Ritz while you were still going to school then? Yeah, I did. I started at the Ritz and I would work there uh, while I was still in college and we were in a semester system. So I was really good. <laughs> I was really good at adjusting. So I would only have classes on certain days and then I could work on the other days because I had to travel a little bit. It was about a 30 minute drive back and forth, but it was just a really good opportunity. And, you know, it was my first time like kind of stepping into like a real kind of, you know, more of a corporate led job, you know, and kind of understanding those rules and the professionalism behind it. But I think the Ritz did a really great job, you know, just turning on that switch, like, this is for me, like, this is like luxury, you know, I want to do this, you know, and I want to learn more about it. And I actually grew in that role. I started off as a receptionist. And and when I actually left, I had moved into like a group sales manager position for the spa and, and really enjoyed it, you know, and that's kind of what, I don't know, like created and drew me to 
that fascination and that wonder of traveling and, you know, having that opportunity to work and, you know, live in these incredible places that I got to travel to. So your first stuff with the Ritz then was all spa related, right? So it, it was, was working in the reception. And then what were the other jobs you did while you were at that Ritz? Yeah, I was, I ended up, you know, kind of progressing to a front desk supervisor for them. And then I went into a group for, it was predominantly for the spa, but it was a group sales manager position, kind of selling the spa to different groups. And um, they had a couple of different packages, you know, that I was able to sell it. You know, I didn't, it was funny. It was just like great opportunities just kept presenting themselves to me. And I was like, of course I want to do it, you know? And I think that, I don't know, it was just that ability to always say yes, you know, like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to know more. I want to grow more. I want to learn. So. And was the Ritz good with training? Like you're a young lady coming out of school and you're thrust into this and don't take this the wrong way, but you're thrust into this five-star lifestyle. And I always think back to my Four Seasons days. It's like you have a lot of people who don't know five-star service, but yet you're expected to deliver it. And sometimes the training isn't what it's supposed to be. How, how no. was it at Ritz? I'll tell you that the Ritz, they were making Kool-Aid and they were dealing it out beautifully. I had this really great woman and I still keep up with her today. Her name's Lee Alvarez. Lee was exceptional as an HR. I think at that time she was either the HR manager or the the assistant director and she was an incredible trainer and she always had this like brilliant energy about her. She was so positive and just really made an indelible mark. I actually worked with her twice. I actually ended up working with her again later on in my career. And, you know, I think that that was like a really big spark for me. You know, I bought it. Like I was young, like it was easy. You know, I was like, oh, I love this, you know, but I felt like you know, out of all of the companies that I worked and maybe it was part of my age too, but I felt like they did an incredible job, you know, painting the picture. It was an opening and to really get people to buy into what they were doing. I felt like they did an incredible job kind of creating that culture, you know. Yeah, well, I think it must have held because I, again, for my listener in Topeka, Kansas, Nicole and I worked together at Starwood and you always exuded what I would call five-star service, whether it was in the way you spoke to people, managed people, presented yourself. I could always see you as the luxury person, regardless of what you were doing. So I wanted to understand where that kind of stemmed from. Now, obviously, some of it is just you being you, but those early years with Ritz Carlton must have been, you know, transforming for you to get you into that mindset, I think. Oh, definitely. And I was so young, you know, like you're so impressionable when you're that age, you know, and I think that, you know, something in that culmination and really kind of delivering that, you know, like on a daily basis, kind of going out there and delivering that culture, you know, to the guest, you know, it really made a mark on me and I, I enjoyed it. And I, I tell you, the other piece to it was the opportunity to travel along with, you know, this opportunity to be part of this amazing culture and team. So now how long did you last at that first Ritz-Carlton? I think I was there close to two years, um, mm -hmm. you know, and it's funny, I ended up graduating college and another friend of mine, they were leaving. They were like, hey, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go work at this <laughs> 
I was really young, Ron. They're like, I'm going to go work at this new hotel that's getting ready to open. And, you know, they painted this picture. They had already gone through the interview process and gotten the job. And they're like, it's over in the Charleston area, you know? And I was like, oh, Charleston. <laughs> I've always wanted to, you know, see Charleston and like live in Charleston. Wouldn't that be great? You know? Yeah. So I decided that, you know, I was going to apply there as well in the spot as a, the spa itself actually had a group sales manager position that they were looking for. And I said, you know, I'm going to apply. I'm going to try and go to, I want to go check it out. Like I enjoyed this initial opening and now I want to go to this other opening. And, you know, again, I had a friend that was going to, so I knew, you know, I'd had some company along the, the way. So I applied and I got the job and I, I loved it. I, again, just another really great opportunity to grow in my career and meet new people. That spa turned out to end up being a Forbes five-star spa. It's one of, one of the first ones, I think, even. And they did a wonderful job on that project, but just a really great kind of stepping stone for me. It's funny, I recently spoke with, he was the opening director of rooms. He's now, I think, you know, probably at a VP level. He's been a general manager a couple of times at Vikram Sued. Um, I worked with Vikram there and I worked with a guy named Bill Lacey. And I think Bill is actually still there now, but really great mentors, you know, throughout my career. And another, you know, I think when you work with these amazing leaders, that's also something you take with you. You know, you're like, hey, I want to be like them. And you emulate that at times. But those were definitely some great leaders that I worked with at that property that, you know, have kept in contact. Like, literally, I hadn't talked to Vikram in 20 years. And I, I spoke with them a couple of weeks back. He lives here in the San Diego area. And so I had a really great conversation with him, you know. So, yeah. Well, the and again, for the listener in Topeka, Kansas, it's just a little property called Kiowa Island Resort, which is world famous. As yeah, it is. Camp. It totally what, is. Yeah, just this little place. Again, Ritz-Carlton and Kiowa and Vikram, of course, and I worked at Four Seasons together up in Toronto. And he's, he's now the gen, or managing director at the Inn at Rancho Santa Fe. Yeah, I think, yeah. And it's relatively yeah. new. He just kind of transitioned. Just up reopened. Like yep. Yeah. Just um, reopened. And yeah, so, he's, yeah. He's, he's great. He's, I feel like he's connected to everyone, you know. Yeah. I always said he was too smart for the hotel business. He's one of those guys that's a little bit too cerebral for the for our business. But so, all right. So Ritz-Carlton, and then we're at Kiowa Island again. <laughs> world-class. I mean, I love the way you said, oh, I just took this little job at this little place that was kind of opening up. It's like, there's not a better... I was so naive, though. I was oh, so young and so God. naive. So then you have your success at Kiowa, and then you say, well, what could I do to better Kiowa? And then you join Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts. I did. I did. And it the story takes a whole new turn in, in my na naivety, you know. So I was in Kiowa and um, I, you know, as a young woman who was kind of born and raised in the South and, you know, took cotillion and I think I was being like bred to be this like, you know, Southern belle almost. And I kind of go back to that crazy like wonder that I had as a child and like always wanting to see the world and this fascination with other cultures and what was it like, you know, I, used, I can remember dreaming about like living in a big city, like what, you know, being at maybe like 10 or 11 and just being like, what would it be like to live in New York city, you know, and what would that be? And so I had, I, 
oddly enough, because I worked myself through college and I paid for my college. And then afterwards, like I'm working these great sales jobs and there was a commission, you know, like the salary wasn't anything to brag home about, but the commission, you know, I was very ingenious in that way. I was like, oh, I know how to get the highest commission possible here, you know? And so I had ended up saving up a lot of money for my age or what I thought was a lot of money. And so I said, you know, I really want to go out West. And I had had some friends move to Long Beach, California. I said, you know, I'm going to move. Like, I I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm going to go out West. And Brian, I sold everything that I owned, had an apartment in West Ashley. And so I sold everything, every stitch of everything. I packed up into two suitcases. I put them in my car. This is early twenties. And I drove out to Long Beach, California. These are things I would never do today, I don't think. But I drove out to Long Beach, California, and I got there and I spent some time there and and loved it, you know, like visited with friends, made new friends. And while I was there, everybody talked about this little island called Maui in Hawaii. And they were like, you know, Maui's the place to be, Maui, Maui, Maui. And I said, okay. So I bought a ticket on a barge. I went myself and bought the ticket on the barge and I put my car on a barge. I bought a plane ticket to Maui and I rented an apartment online with not a stitch of furniture, which was kind of odd for Hawaii because most places are fully furnished, but this one was not. Um, Hence, it was relatively cheap, you know, and I got on a plane and I moved to Maui and I landed. I remember I was like, oh, you know. I'll probably need to go by Walmart. I rented a car and I said, I'll probably need to go by Walmart and get an air mattress. And I went and moved into my little studio apartment. And that's how the Maui journey began. You didn't didn't have a job lined up. You just Mm -hmm. put the car on the barge flew over and said, I'm yeah. going to find something. Yeah. I don't know. There's something in me. I was just like, I've got to go, you know, explore. And I thought yeah. I had, I was like, I have some money in my pocket, you know, why not? And so I got out there and about a month into it, I was like, you know, this is awesome. Like I enjoy meeting people and having friends. And I found, you know, eventually kind of found a roommate and we, we moved into a two bedroom. I kind of upgraded a little bit. And so I said, you know, I need to find a job. I need something to do. And so it just so happened that the Four Seasons in Wailea um, was hiring and they needed a spa manager. And so I said, you know, I've done this before and I think I can get that job. And so I went and applied for it. Two days later, they called me in for an in-person interview and I interviewed all day long. <laughs> and at the end of the day, another one of my mentors showed up back in the room. She was the spa director. She's still there now. Her name's Pat McCozak. Um, and um, she says, hey, we want to hire you. It was her and this other girl. She's a woman now, but Livia Reddington was the other one. She was the assistant director and they showed up and they gave me big hugs and they said, we want to hire you, you know? So I took the job and started my time in Hawaii as the spa manager. That's amazing that you went over there as a young lady, no plans, no, you know, nothing <laughs> concrete. And now the, the one thing you had going for you, you know, having worked over there and opened hotels and stuff is labor is so hard to come by over there, new, fresh labor. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody who's had your experience and stuff, I'm sure you could have found a job on day two if you'd really started looking. But still, I mean, the cost of living over there, even back then, was expensive. 
you know, to go over with no job. That's, that takes a lot of guts, young ladies. I'm telling you, like, I feel like it was just, I was just so naive. Like, I mean, looking back on it now, you know, having a family with kids and like looking back on it, I was brave and a little brazen even, but I did it, you know, and I don't well, know, you, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And you couldn't have picked like a farther away destination or a different destination, right? So yeah. all the way from the East coast of South Carolina and all the way to Maui, that's like yeah. outstanding. So now how long were you with Four Seasons? Because you were, you had a good run. Yeah, with them, I, think, um, right? I did have a good run with them. It's interesting because, so I stayed in Maui for almost, I would say a year and a half, two years, something along those lines. And you know, had an opportunity to get a promotion and kind of grow with the company, but it meant a move. And I wanted the move as well, you know, kind of referencing back to, you know, my mom being sick and and needed to, I, I would have liked to have gotten closer at that point. And I was verbal about that, you know, like, Hey, I wouldn't mind going back East. And there was an opportunity. I had a really amazing rooms director at the time. And I'm, I tell you, she is definitely a mentor of mine in the industry too. Her name was Ilsa Harley. Um, and Ilsa's now an RVP for four seasons. She really grew her career, but she was the rooms director at the time. And I went to Ilsa and, you know, had a great conversation with her. And she's like, let me see what I can do. And so I started off as kind of like an assistant director of the four seasons Atlanta. They needed an assistant at the time. They had just reopened their spa. They had renovated it and just reopened it and, you know, kind of struggled to find good labor to kind of come into that position as well. And so I said, yeah, I'll take it. I want to go. And so headed back East with them and eventually became their spa director pretty quickly. And it was a great opportunity. And I was there with them for about two years, a full on two years. And then when I was in Atlanta, that second year, I think right towards when I was finishing up my second year with them, the, they were getting ready to open the St. Regis there in Atlanta. And it was gorgeous, Brian. Like what a gorgeous property. Right. And they came knocking on my door and it was interesting because that spa specifically, it was actually run most of my time with St. Regis. I was actually a St. Regis employee, but that spa itself was run by bliss. It was one of the remed concepts. I don't know if you remember that or not, but even when I moved on with St. Regis, I was always kind of a St. Regis employee and I had the dotted line to remed, but, or, and bliss. But this property specifically, I was an employee of Bliss um, and we had a dotted line to St. Regis. And so they came knocking on my door. I had a friend who knew, I think her name was Susan Gray, who knew Susan. And he worked for one of the other Bliss locations in Atlanta. And he reached out to me and he was like, hey, would you have interest? Like they're really trying to fill this position and they want somebody local. They reached out to me. I'm not interested. Would you want to do it? I said, yeah, of course. Like I want to talk to them at least, you know? So it was a great opportunity for me just because again, like a really great salary increase for me. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to do another opening, which as you know, from my experience of knowing you, I really, I really ended up thriving on the opening side of things and really enjoyed it. I found that project management and, you know, that side of things I I did really, really well, but the really cool thing that they allowed me to do that I hadn't had a lot of exposure in that property was in the initial stages, you know, the spa is usually the last thing to be built in the hotels. And so they let me be really involved in that process as they were, 
you know, coming in and the original designer or the, I guess the builder of the hotel came to me and said, you know, I've never built a spa before and you've worked in the operational side sit down with me and let's look at this. You know, I want you to tell me from an operational perspective, have I missed anything here? Like, what do you think? You know, like, what is your opinion? And that's the first time, like I just said, oh yeah, thanks for letting me have this input. And I actually got to be involved on that side of it and really enjoyed it too, saying, hey, like the functionality of this might not work. Like, is there a way you can do A, B, and C? And really enjoyed kind of getting involved at like a granular level, I guess, mm-hmm. of eventually being on the operational side of the opening as well. So, yeah. yeah and I, I remember that opening. It was, it was a lot of, it's a gorgeous property. I, now, yeah. to be honest with you, I haven't been back there in years. So I'm, I'm hoping it, it has aged well. It um, has. But, I've been back. I went back oh, about two years okay. ago. I think it wasn't this Christmas. It was the Christmas before. My brother still lives in Atlanta and we went to visit and I took the girls and we did this amazing like holiday tea for three little girls. It was heaven. They had a Santa Claus that came in with sit and it was like a really good Santa Claus too. But they would would come and sit at the table and talk to the girls and we could take pictures with them. Like they did a great job. I thought it was wonderful. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Maui for a second because it just sure. as you know, things come and go <laughs> into this head, and who knows? So before, if your mom had not been going through her issues and stuff, did you ever get island fever over there? And you I mean, you weren't over there for 10 years, but did you ever get that island fever like you feel disconnected from the rest of the world there, or were you okay with everything? Yeah. So eventually in my career, I end up going back to Hawaii, yeah. to the island of Kauai. But I'll tell you that I don't think I got it at that age. Like, I think it's really, like, it's a really immersive, like, I really immersed myself in it. Like, I was in a canoe club and I had tons of friends. Like, mm-hmm. you know, on my days off, we were playing volleyball and I really, really enjoyed it. But I I do always tell people, like even now on the recruitment side, when I'm trying to recruit, sometimes it does feel like an escape from reality, you know, and you do feel a little disconnected realistically because it's just a different pace for sure. Well, yeah, I I used to remember when we were closing and reopening the St. Regis and everything over there in Kauai, even when I was there 10 days, I would feel like. I'm missing out on the rest of the world. I don't know why. I just, the time difference was just, I don't know. It was, so anyways, I digress. All right. Listen, Brian, it's not for everybody. They have a saying there that Hawaii either like kind of accepts you or rejects you. And I'll tell you when I moved out there, I got a roommate and we shared and she was from Jersey. She was a Jersey girl. And we both kind of settled in and about six months in, she looks at me and she's like, I'm going home. Like, this is too slow for me, you know? So she ended up moving back and I think she went to New York City and she had a really robust career kind of moving forward in New York and did really well for herself. But she was just not, it's it's island time. It's a much slower pace. Yeah, it's island time and, you know, everything is just... If you enjoy sports and those activities that are all on the East Coast, you're missing them. Yes. And you're, it was just, it wasn't for me. But I would, I would love to have been a fly in the wall in that apartment, a Jersey girl and a Southern Belle. In, in <laughs> She's Maui. still a great friend to this day. She's adorable. I mean, it would really surprise you, but we made a really good, like, little dynamic duo. So. Oh yeah, no, I would love to hear the a the accents and then b just the whole <laughs> conversation. So. 
So, okay. So we were lucky enough to hire you at the St. Regis. When I say we, Starwood, yeah. we were lucky enough. And I was the director of new builds, I think on that one. So we were lucky enough to have you at St. Regis, Atlanta, which again, as we've said, is phenomenal property. And then where did you go from Atlanta? Oh, yeah. So that kind of starts my St. Regis tour. And I'll tell you, I love Starwood. Like, it's like, definitely, I miss it. You know, like I would try to get back in that door at one point. But I think that so from Atlanta, I transitioned, I had been in Atlanta 10 months, I kind of finalized the opening there. And as you can imagine, like with Bliss, it's a little bit different ballgame. And so their idea was to kind of streamline right and they wanted they wanted us to kind of one of the directors they wanted to make it more of a complex director type of position mm-hmm. uh, and again another kind of one of my mentors her name's Jenny Holden really great woman mm-hmm. she was the director at Bliss and you know we kind of had this conversation and we were just like you know it would have had to have turned into where there was one director and then the other one would have had to kind of step into a little bit of an assistant. And also around that time, a gentleman by the name of Michael Hatzfeld reached out to me. It's This is a really crazy kind of timing story. And so Michael reached out and said he somehow he had a, a resume of mine or somebody had recommended him, but everybody still thought at this time I was still part of Four Seasons. No one realized I had transitioned to um, St. Regis. And so he says, listen, Nicole, like we're looking for a spot director to come and open. It was it was like D-Day for Michael, though, I'll tell you, because I want to say that they had maybe even hired someone or extended an offer. It fell through. It didn't work out. And he needed somebody quick, you know, like I need somebody here tomorrow. And he reached out to me and said, would you be interested? And so I kind of explained the situation to him. And I went to Jenny and I went to Susan with Bliss and had a conversation with them about it. And I said, hey, what would you think? I don't want to burn any bridges. Like I like to kind of keep all of my options open and all my doors open. But we're talking about making this position a complex position. There's this opportunity over here in Park City. Would you guys be open to me possibly exploring this? And they were like, oh, the timing couldn't be better on this. Like go for it, you know? So I did. And I landed the opportunity and I came on to that team, but I'll tell you from an opening perspective, I think I may have come on like maybe three or four months prior to the actual opening, Brian. So my naivety again and youth comes into play here. I don't think I really knew what I was stepping into, but I did it and was super successful. I loved that property and I loved working there. I loved my team there. And I think that that was the first time I was really able to kind of put my stamp on it and say, yeah, I got this, this opening thing under control. I mean, within four months, Brian, I wrote all of our menus. I, in Utah, there's a lot of like laws and regulations that you kind of have to jump through, even on the spa side, you know, with Remed, I had a dotted line to Remed, but I'd already created this amazing relationship with them. And with Remed, when people come in the door, you're supposed to give them a glass of champagne. And I tell you, you know, Utah, 
probably better than me, Brian. <laughs> and that's not going to fly in Utah. So yeah. we we had some challenges, but it was really great. I reported to Michael and that was a really great kind of relationship for me. And he's a, got a German background and I work well with that analytical, um, straightforward communication. And I don't need a lot of pats on the back. I need a lot of leash to run. And Michael let me have that. And I think that that's why I could be really successful. But I think the reason why he let me have it was because he had to be really involved in some other stuff. So I'll tell you that he, he never dealt out a compliment to anyone. However, my departing party, he did say, Nicole was the one I never had to worry about. So I took that as a huge That is huge praise coming from Michael. And, you know, again, for the listeners of Peak Kansas, Nicole is very humble here, but the the property she's talking about is the St. Regis Deer Valley. Ski in, ski out, just amazing residences, just beyond a phenomenal resort that we opened up there. And, And Michael was the opening GM and I mean, just a fantastic job there. So just a world-class ski resort in a world-class destination with some of the greatest skiing and jazz festivals and everything else going on up there. I mean, just, you know, the one great thing about you and your luxury journey is it's always in first rate locations. Like you never get like, and don't take this wrong, but you never get like downtown Cleveland as a, as a destination type of thing. Not that downtown Cleveland isn't nice. So don't, don't send me letters, but so you, you spend your time at Deer Valley with Michael, all these names coming back to me. Yeah. Where do you go next from Deer Valley? Yeah. So interestingly enough, all along this route, Brian, I actually, rewind a little bit. I met my husband. I didn't know he's going to be my husband at the time, but I met him in Maui. And then eventually he comes to join me in Atlanta, but he joins me by the time I get to the St. Regis. So he also joined the St. Regis too. And then, you know, we moved to Deer Valley, he moves to, and, and he actually gets this really great promotion, you know, as we go. And interestingly enough, we hear about the opening for Puerto Rico, for St. Regis, um, Bahia Beach. And so, you know, my husband is originally from Mexico and he came from his humble beginnings there at the Four Seasons in Punta Mitas, where he kind of started his journey. And so he made a really good accompanying partner through all of these journeys. And, you know, as you can imagine, his first language is Spanish, a second language is English. And I get to talking to some of our corporate team at Remed and they're gearing up in Puerto Rico and they're like, Hey, Nicole, you did such a really great job on the last two. Like it was really seamless for them because I just knew all the rules. Cause I came, I kind of came from bliss. So I don't know if they had had some issues before or something, but they made it sound like, Hey, it was a really great opening. And on, on our part, you know, we really enjoyed you kind of being the lead here. Do you think you would have interest in helping us and going and opening the Puerto Rico? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like it's another opportunity. Why not? Like, I'm not going to say no, you know, but this one proved a little more challenging. Like, as you can imagine, the owners, wonderful people, but the owners were like, like, we don't want her to go. You know, we had gotten a really great Forbes report for the spa when we got our initial shop, the Forbes guy and really enjoyed the spa. Like we had gotten, we had 
if if we had gone for five stars for the spot, we would have gotten it. Basically, we didn't get knocked for anything on that Forbes mm-hmm. report. And so they were like, would you go? And I said, yeah, sure. I was like, I just, here's the thing. It's going to affect the hotel because I'm going to bring another one of their managers with me. And if we go, he's going to need to get a promotion. And so all the stars aligned, Brian, like it just happened to be by the time that it was time for us to apply for the position and go for the position, the hotel was going through the summer months. We were in super low occupancy. It worked for them. I think ultimately I've always kept in touch with the owner there, David Reese, great guy. And David, you know, didn't really want to see us go, but he was friends with the owner in Puerto Rico, Fede, Federico mm-hmm. Sanchez, uh, another really wonderful owner, an amazing gentleman who I still stay in touch with to this day. Yeah. And so it was just a great opportunity to kind of step into, even for me, like more of an international role. I had taken Spanish in high school, but, you know, I think my naiveness comes into play again here. I was like, oh, cool. Like I'll get to like brush up on Spanish and open another hotel. I don't think that I figured in that it was on a a small island in the Atlantic Ocean and there would be different challenges that it would present to stepping into it. But I gladly took on the new assignment and, you know, went to Puerto Rico from there, you know, like where where else? Yeah, no, and Bahia Bahia Beach was one of my favorite projects simply because of Fede and the Sanchez family and the rest of the gang. I mean, I think I spoke on a earlier podcast or one of the other podcasts about, I remember when Fede brought me down there when it was just marshland and he said, this is where this five-star resort's going. And I'm thinking, this guy's crazy, (laughs) right? There's no way, you know, I don't care what you do. But it's one of my favorite St. Regis's from a design perspective and where it is and everything else. So yeah, that's one of my favorites for sure. So, and then from there, that was, was that your last Starwood? No, I'll come back. I I actually leave and then come back. That's Um, right. Cause you went from there. Yeah. So from there, some of my four seasons contacts reached out, you know, and they're like, Hey, Nicole, we're doing some openings. We could use somebody with opening experience. The opening in Puerto Rico was really successful for me because not only from, you know, I had already achieved this great like service. So I knew how to replicate that in every one of the openings. I think every time I opened, I learned something new. And then when I would go to the next one, I was like, you know what? I missed this one on the last one and I'm going to like make it the best ever on this next one. So my focus for Puerto Rico, when I stepped into it, you know, I didn't even know what the ownership was really looking for there, but I I did step into it and I said, you know what, I'm going to make this really profitable and I'm going to do it in the first year. I'm going to do it in the opening year because it's not always Some of my other openings, it's hard to do that in the first year. And so I did, like I made that one, one of the, actually one of the most profitable, as far as a profitability percentage, it was one of the highest, like even Mm -hmm. for the Americas, I nailed that, you know? So I was like, okay, cool. I've got the service now. I've got the profitability side of things. And I think that I got a little exposure, especially in the spa world for it. And so some old friends of mine from Four Seasons reached out and said, hey, we've got a couple of openings. They gave me a couple of locations. And one of them, don't kill me here, Ron, but one of them was in St. Petersburg, Russia. And, you know, I had had another friend who had moved with W Hotels to St. Petersburg around that time and, you know, reached out to her and I said, hey, what do you think? I'm considering it, you know, and she's like, 
it's unbelievable. You should do it. And I was like, okay. And I wanted more international experience. I think, you know, I thought that that would be healthy for me, like even on my resume. And so I said, yes. And so I remember I was getting ready to go there and I had to get all my birth certificates translated. I had to get everything I own translated to Russian. And this is weird. Like I'm, I'm doing this in Puerto Rico, actually, you know, so believe it or not, there's like Russian translators in Puerto Rico (laughs) who do this work, you know, they like warm weather too. Yeah. I had no idea. And so I get all this done and I signed the dotted line. I'm going to um, St. Petersburg And like all along the way, they're kind of telling me like, hey, we're kind of in Russia. Things are a little bit different as far as like, especially if you're working in historical buildings, you're going to run into a lot of red tape. And so the inner workings of getting through that red tape were happening. And some of the other things that we were working on on the spa side, we wanted to bring on this brand. It was called Santa Maria Novella is the name of it. It's the first perfumery in the world. It's based out of Florence. And it was, it was started by these monks, basically, in Florence. To this day, everything in Santa Maria Novella is made with people's hands. Like, it's made by hand. And if you want to do business with them, Brian, you, you have to go work for them. <laughs> they oh, wow. don't just, they don't agree to do business with people. Like, they ha- mm-hmm. you have to go be part of their workforce. You have to make their product. They have to know you and you've got to check all the boxes before they, before they say yes. And so I'm writing menus. I'm kind of getting things ready. And my hotel manager and I are very involved. His name was Richard Robb. And so we're very involved in this process. And they come back to us and they're like, well, if you want to do business with us, you or Richard have to come here and you need to work and you have to do it for 90 days. We're like, oh God. I'm like, well, I guess I'll be the one to like go to Italy, you know, and like tough, work in tough. Italy. Again, but naively I do this because, you know, in Italy, it's very, it's still very old school, you know, to work Mm -hmm. there. And so, especially in this like family business. And so I agree to go and lucky Leon at the time, they were like, you know what? It's fine. You can take Leon. Yeah. And Leon, for the listener in Topeka, Kansas, is the husband. Right. Okay. So Leon also has a job as well with the property Mm -hmm. because he's done all these openings too. And so they're like, you can just take him and he can just do whatever. You know what I mean? This is what they tell me. He can do whatever. And you're going to go and you're going to work. And I'm like, okay, cool. So that's what we'll do. So I get there and I'm like working in a factory. (laughs) like day in and day out. And I'm like working, Brian. And so while I'm working every day, Leon is out riding a moped and he's visiting wineries and he's just having a blast. Like he would come and pick me up from work on his moped and he'd be like, Hey, I got us tickets for the opera tonight. Let's go. And I'm like, Oh, what have you been doing all day? And he's like, I went to St. Germain today, you know, or whatever it was like he went to whatever winery. And so Lucky Leon, you know, I always call him that. So, you know, we we kind of do this tour and then they're still kind of having issues. They're still having issues over here in St. Petersburg. So the tour kind of gets up, you know, and they're like, hey, Nicole, Leon, we're still running into this like red tape things. And all along the whole time, I'm still working on pre-opening, right? Like, so I'm writing menus, I'm, you know, contacting vendors, like, you know, getting super creative. And the one thing I also 
begin to adore about the opening process is I do a lot of research on the history of things. And I enjoy that. Like I loved in Puerto Rico learning about the Taino Indians and mm -hmm. like how to tie in Queen Louisa. So now I'm in Russia. I'm learning that I don't know if you knew this, but like Coco Chanel, like all of her perfumery came from a Russian chemist. And so I learned about this Russian chemist and I'm like reaching out to Chanel brands to say, hey, can we carry like your nail polish? Can we do this? And I'm just tying a lot of things together. Right. And that's another brilliant thing that I love about this opening opportunity. And so they tell us, hey, we, we've got this really amazing task force opportunity. They want to take both of you. It's over in the Seychelles. Um, and I was like, whoa, the Seychelles, that sounds great. You know, again, <laughs> youth. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the Seychelles. So we go there for about four and a half months and work. It was beautiful. It was a wonderful experience. Again, met some great people, a whole completely different culture off the coast of Africa and a lot of it, exposure to the French language. They actually speak Creole there, but definitely otherworldly for me. You know, the little Southern girl over there in the Seychelles, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And to live like in the living quarters, they give you your own apartment. But it's part of a huge complex, you know, where, you know, we were actually lucky because we were in director roles where we had a, an apartment to live in, but they bring all the staff into the staff housing and they'll put four people to, you know, one small room and on each floor is a bathroom that's shared. And then there's a, a communal cafeteria that they all kind of like eat in. So I had never in my, my life yeah. experienced this, you know, and it was incredible. It was exhilarating. You, we would go to a market. There's no grocery stores. Yeah. You just go to this like open air market and there's like fish hanging and there's some fruit. <laughs> well, and Leon's a good F and B guy. So he's a good guy to travel with. Luckily, yeah, Leon. Luckily Leon. So, so Lucky listen, in the essence of time, because I know you have a life and you need yeah. to keep moving on. So I know you have a great stint with Forbes. Yeah. Uh, af after your Starwood days. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's anyone you want to thank from Forbes, but I'd really like to spend some time on what you're doing now and what's yes. going on with Reculture so that we can get that in and get sure. you on your way. Yeah. No. So yeah, it's it was a blast. You know, I was kind of incognito with Forbes for some time, enjoyed it, really great crew there. And then you're right, because of the pandemic, I think a lot of us kind of had to pivot a little bit and figure out what's next. So I did, I pivoted. And interestingly enough, I landed in recruitment, I kind of reached out to some friends and I said, Hey, like I'm I need some work and I can consult. And everyone's like, we don't need consulting right now, Nicole. We need people. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. So I'm going to recruit. And so I ended up starting Reculture and kind of dipping my toes into recruitment. I really enjoyed it. I'm allowed to kind of reach out to people who I haven't spoken with. I told you like in 20 years, 17 years. I mean, having these amazing co connections with people and I still get to be connected to the industry and I still get to have that, you know, Connection in people's lives in general, I think with recruitment, especially the kind of recruitment that I do is very rewarding in the fact that you're helping people. And that's a big part of hospitality, you know, that still kind of plays into what I do now. And I get to work with a lot of old colleagues and friends. And if I, if it's not somebody that I worked with before, Brian, we are all separated by one degree of, of separation in this industry. 
I know like 10 people that they used to work with, you know? So for me, it ends up being a really great opportunity just to kind of give back to the hospitality community at large and still be a part of it. And I do it in a quality way. You know, I think sometimes these days it's so fast paced, especially with recruitment, that some things are lost, you know, and I try to kind of bring some of that back, that, that luxury experience that I used to give my guests. I like to give that to my clients these days. And, and I really kind of try to go the extra mile and give quality where it's sometimes being lost, you know? Yeah. So I always ask this question, how do you come up with a name like Reculture? What does that mean? How did you come up with that name? Yeah, I don't know. I think that Leon and I just kind of sat down one day and we were like, you know, what, you know, what could we do here? You know, and I think interestingly enough in our lives, we're very sustainable people. Like I, in the last like seven years, I've become a vegan and I've held that vegan diet for about seven years now. And just kind of looking to the future because we have kids and it's all about kind of recycling and reusing. And, you know, Leon got really involved on his side of work with Michael Backer and Google. And that program there at Google is all plant forward and, you know, going down to the most sustainable pieces of waste, how much waste they produce and how do they keep that from happening and zero waste and things like that. And so a lot of our kind of life now is is really kind of drawn into that. And so we kind of thought of like, you know, hey, this is about culture because we come from a very specific hospitality culture. And how do we kind of reutilize that and put it back into play? And so we we just kind of were sitting around one day and we came up with reculture out of that. You know, it was pretty simple. You know, there wasn't a lot of like looking into researching certain names or anything like that. But that's that's ultimately how it came out. Well, that's cool. No, that's, I always like the backstory, right? Because yeah, it's, definitely. it's not just using your name and your name of the company type of thing. Yeah, so, sure. so listen, I could talk another three hours with you. <laughs> totally. But I, but I know you have a life and it is Tuesday after all. So you've thanked a lot of people, Lee, Bill, Vikram, Pat, Livia, Ilsa, Jenny, Michael, Fede, just to name a few. Yeah. I'm going to turn the mic back over to you. Is there anyone else that you would like to thank for helping you along this great journey of yours? Yeah. You know, there's been so many people that have opened doors for me and, you know, I'm really thankful for that, but, you know, Leon's kind of been by my side this whole time and I have to thank him because I wouldn't be here without him, you know, and my kids have been a great support throughout things and they bring me joy every day, you know, and my brother, I have a really great relationship with him and, you know, stay in contact with him. So I couldn't be more grateful to my family first and foremost, I think. And, you know, there's other people along the way, right? that kind of put a spark in things for me. Like, I don't know if you still talk to like the Donna Stantons of the world. Donna's amazing. I think Eileen Irwin always kind of made a really good impression on me and just people who formulated me into like what I wanted to be, right? Like, I think I took little things from so many people and like just kind of emulated that and, you know, pushed it forward. But through and through, like, you know, I just, I appreciate like, all of the women who kind of stepped up throughout my career too, and like helped another woman. Like, I think that, you know, you kind of see the industry going closer to that these days. I I talk to women who come from before my time, you know, and they have very different stories. And so I'm just appreciative of the culture of women these days and how a lot of women stepped up throughout my career and just really helped me, you know? So grateful, very grateful. I I couldn't do this without gratitude, you know? Yeah. Every day I count. Blessings. 
you know, it's important because, you know, the younger female generation coming up has to see you in the roles that you're in so that they can see themselves in the role. Right. And and that mm. is so important. And that's why I urge all the young ladies that I reach out to, to be on the show to say yes and don't, and don't ghost me because it's so important that the younger generation see successful women like yourself and what everything you've accomplished and say, oh, well, I can see myself in that role now. And I, I think it's so important. So thank you for all you've done. It it was so much fun opening all these properties with you. And I never heard Lucky Leon before, but now the next time I see him, <laughs> that's definitely a, a nickname I'm going to use, Lucky yeah. Leon. But listen, again, I could go on for hours. So thank you so much for setting some time aside. I know how busy you guys are. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us today. And so I'm going to end it like I always do, folks. If it's Tuesday, let's get out there and thanks somebody. They're going to feel great getting the thanks and you're going to feel great doing it. So, Nicole, thanks again and great to see you again. Yeah, you too, Brian. Thank you.